shining legacy. I thought it might be in a goal for success to follow me. I thought it might be in a plan to sail across the sea. But I didn't find what I really need. I found it all when I lost everything and gave my life to serve. thinking, man, if we're not careful with my brother Chuck and Dave over there, we're going to have a problem here. <laughs> brother Chuck Smith was still here. We'd be on. Amen? So get in. Don't be tentative, you know. Enjoy yourself in the house of God. Amen. First Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1. Uh, important announcement. No choir practice. And all God's choir members said? Oh, you like choir. Okay. But anyway, no practice today on Father's Day, and uh, Tom will get back with you 
later on that. Uh, Brother Pastor Williams mentioned the fundraiser of the bottle drive. You know, we're just trying to remind the church we are in a building program, and and so help us in that. If you want to throw extra hundreds and twenties and fifties in that box, that's good too. But uh, no, don't do that. Hand it to a, a treasurer or a deacon, something like that. But anyway, we're still trying to raise funds for our, our building project program. Many church folks are involved with that. We need more help, and just be faithful in your weekly giving, and we'll make our goal, and we'll be doing that as uh, soon as we can. Amen? But we had a couple other things coming up in September. We're going to do a, uh, we give out the $20 bills as a talent. I remember us doing that years ago. And you take that 20 and you try to increase it, like the Bible teaches. Sister Linda will help us get that one ready in September. We wanted to do a um, 5K walk and ride, but we can't do it till next spring because of schedules. But we are starting to do some of these different projects. Uh, I have one other here. Uh, oh, some of the people have asked about yard sales or garage sales. Not here at the church, but if you want to do one at your home with a couple other families and the proceeds go to that, that's fine. Uh, when we built a church years ago in Indiana that I pastored, people began to sell off things they didn't need. And, you know, instruments and yard work. We, we sold a... We sold a, an, an old tractor. We were in farm area, sold that tractor. Matter of fact, we sold that tractor three or four times back, back and forth, and it helped us get money. And the kids would come up with these little bricks every Sunday night and put them on the, on the wall, uh, Nehemiah's wall, and uh, we'd raise money. I think the bricks were $100 a piece. That was a great idea. We had to do it here. We got a lot of kids. Because parents and grandparents, they love seeing those little kids come up and put those little bricks, those dollhouse bricks on the wall, you know, paper we had. And boy, I forgot about that. And grandparents will give a lot of money to watch their little kids come up here and put a little brick on there. Bob, remind me of that. We'll try that. But, but I, just, I just bring it up. We're trying to get that building built. We've been praying and people have been given and we're just waiting for the Lord to uh, help us and give, make up the difference. We got to do our part. Amen. And if there's any millionaires visiting today, if you want to write a check, we'll take that too. So other than Cal, I don't know anybody else that would fit that bill. So. All right, it's Father's Day. Let's get into the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And we will read verses 1 through 7 this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that they might discharge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some have erred or uh, swerved, excuse me, having turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law understanding neither what they say, nor whereof they affirm. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter here to young Timothy, his protege, his assistant, if you would. And he calls him his son in the faith. 
And today I want to preach on a father's letter to his son. Let's pray. Lord, help us today on this Father's Day. Heavenly Father, we love you, appreciate you, all you've done for us. You're a great God. You're a wonderful provider. And thank you for Jesus Christ, your son, that you gave to us to be our Lord and Savior. I pray, dear Holy Spirit, that you'd help me preach your word today with clarity, boldness. Arrest each heart, Lord. I know many have plans, dinner, lunch with family, friends, Father's Day, meal. And that's good, Lord. But for a little while, would you help us pay attention to your word and your man so we can get the message that you've laid upon my heart. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Apostle Paul, as mentioned, was not the literal father, physical father, of Timothy. Uh, Timothy actually was an, an orphan, in a sense, because his earthly or physical father, his literal father, is out of the picture when we're introduced to him in Scripture. Now, a lot of people wonder what happened to his dad. We really don't know what happened to Timothy's father, and so I don't, I don't want to dwell there. But he was a young man in need of a father figure in his life. Now the Holy Spirit has made sure to inform us that he'd been raised good. He'd been raised by his, uh, by his mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois. And I have a funny story here to tell you. There are times I use my cell phone to ask Siri a, a, a dictionary definition. And the other day in studying, I, I had my computer tied up in one subject. I really didn't want to go out and look something up. So I picked up my phone and I asked Siri a question. I said, where in the Bible does it list the names of Timothy's grandmother and mother? I had them kind of backwards in my thinking. She replied, I don't know that information, but you can get his mother's books on Amazon. Now, I learned a lesson there. Don't ask Siri spiritual questions because she doesn't know. Amen? I'm the dummy for asking her, but I thought that was so funny. I called my wife. She was down in the office. I called her down here and said, Honey, you won't believe what Siri said today. So we had a laugh. But through the providence of God, the Apostle Paul was brought into relationship with Timothy through a godly grandma and a godly mother. Uh, thank God for godly moms and grandmothers. Don't misunderstand me today, but our focus is on Father's Day. So I'm looking at Paul here as a surrogate, a spiritual surrogate father for young Timothy. God made sure those two men got together, and that was an important, important day they met and how they labored together in the work of the Lord. Now, Paul, again, he's the older apostle, and he says that Timothy is his son in the faith. Now, mom and grandma had witnessed to their son and been an example to him, and he had, come, from a child, had known the Holy Scriptures. But somewhere in there, the apostle Paul kind of adopted Timothy and called him his son in the faith. My pastor used to do that with me. He would call me his son in the faith. This morning on Father's Day 2018, I'd like to look at just four things about this, this relationship between Paul and Timothy and this letter that was sent from Paul to Timothy as a brother in Christ. It's kind of basic stuff, but stay with me and I think we'll get to a point that will all help us. First of all, I want us to consider the writer of the letter. Obviously, we know it to be Paul. 
in our text, 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. We're focusing on this letter. Now, a handwritten letter is usually dear to people that receive them. Obviously, we live in a day today where people are not writing handwritten letters like they used to. We, we certainly text. I don't know how to tweet, but people tweet. And all these other little things people do. Communication is much broader today, but these handwritten letters are, are rare in our day due to our cell phones and due to our texts and so forth. A handwritten letter denotes a great fondness to the one being written to. A handwritten letter is a treasure by those that receive it, most generally, unless, and I, and I want to remind us about this kind of code or rule. Be careful what you write down on paper. Because sometimes if angry words are written, unkind words, um, things that shouldn't be written down um, because they're permanent. Um, they can be lost, they can be destroyed, but most times handwritten letters are treasured because they have meaning to them. Somebody took the time to sit down and write that letter, and if it's a good letter, then that's precious to people. They will keep that. They usually put those kind of personal letters in a, in a safe place. Oftentimes, they're taken out and they're re-read over and over throughout the years. They benefit a lot of people. I know my wife, her mother died very young. My mother-in-law passed away at 44 of cancer. And she wrote a few letters, of course, for the kids or at different times. But my wife received a few letters from her mother after we were married. And my wife treasures those letters. And Occasionally, I'll see that she's pulled it out again and read over those words. A parent's letter uh, when a child's away at college, perhaps. I know my mother would send us notes while I was away in Indiana pastoring, and when I was in Bible college, I'd get a letter from mom and dad, and it always meant so much. Grandma would send little letters, my mom, to the kids. Matter of fact, one time she, she got a, 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 a tape, a tape tape. Uh, what do you call those? They're obsolete now. Cassette. Thank you, hon. See, kids don't even know what that is, and I can't remember what it is. But a cassette, and she, she, she played it and read stories to the kids. And when we got them in Indiana, we'd put them on at night, and the kids would listen to Grandma read those stories. So that was so special, so sweet. Uh, my dad, uh, my kids would write my dad little love notes, and they'd write little letters of, Grandpa, we're praying for you. We want you to get saved and all that kind of stuff. And when my dad had passed, I went through his Bible and all those letters, those notes from those kids were kept in that. But you know why? They meant something to him. Even though at the time they were written, he was lost and they were worried that he'd be mad at them or they would, he'd be pushed. But Grandpa loved those letters and he kept those letters in that, his Bible. So they're precious these personal letters, and, and by the way, since we're talking about this today, I want to encourage you, if you're saved and you know the Lord, write a handwritten letter to your family and share your experience of being saved. When you're gone, that'll be picked up by somebody and they'll read that and that'll be a witness to many of your family, but it'll be a comfort that they know that you have passed on into glory with your own words. 
Just, just something to throw out there. Amen? So here's this letter from Paul to Timothy. It's a precious treasure. And God made it so that the Holy Spirit put it in the Bible. He preserved it in the Word of God for us to read. Now we see the writer gives his name, and of course that's Paul. Now Paul was the new or born again name of Paul after his name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want to ask you a question. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know that? If you've been truly born again, it's there. Amen. Uh, there used to be an old song sung, please search the book again. I thought my name was there. Please search the book again. And a lot of people think they're going to heaven to not. You need to make sure that your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life because you've been truly born again by believing on Jesus as your personal Savior. So Paul's the writer, and he gives us his name. He was formerly Saul. That was his Hebrew name. And boy, he was really religious, but he did not know personal salvation until he received Jesus on that road to Damascus. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school. Now, before we were saved, we had a name. We didn't really pay attention back then. I know I didn't. I had several names given to me that I didn't know attached to me. Names like lost. Names like sinner. Unregenerated. Unbeliever. That was attacked, attached to my name. And before you were saved, that was your state of, of life too. Lost. Undone. Not saved. But like Paul, I had a name change. Amen. Now, after I called upon Jesus as my Savior, and after you did, hopefully you have, you received a name or a title, and it's like this, saved. When I first heard that word saved, I thought it was just what Baptists said. I didn't know it was Bible. You know, saved, it's a good, good Bible word. Christian, that's another word that was put on my name. Believer, child of God, praise the Lord, I'm glad I had a name change. Because I had a heart change toward Christ. Now, so we see the writer gives his name, and it's Paul. And then the writer states his office. He says in verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, the word apostle means sent one. It's a term today that we would say missionary. You know, we send out missionaries to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. Now, Paul had this charge put in his life. And with that charge, Paul was given a new purpose and a calling that he had not before. See, he was a religious man. He was a teacher. He was a, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. But when he met Jesus Christ, he became an apostle of Jesus Christ, a sent one. He had all the other names, saved, Christian, child of God. But he was also now a servant of Jesus Christ, a sent one, an envoy, a uh, envoy, a representative, an ambassador, a witness for the gospel and for Jesus Christ. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. That's our job. But here's what Paul clearly understood when he trusted Jesus as his Savior, that he was now to be available for whatever God wanted. You know, I know a lot of saved people, they know the Lord, but they're not available to God for whatever he wants. Hey, saints of God, I say to you today, be available to God for whatever he wants. It's not about you. It's never been about you. And so forget all that business. And if you've been saved, you've got to come to a place where you say, Lord, you got me. Lock, stock, and barrel. Amen. The whole kit and caboodle, Lord, you got me. 
And listen, I know this. I know a lot of people have been saved a long time and they've never said that to God. That's your job. That's your calling. So this morning, are you in submission and are you in yieldedness to the Father's will? Amen. And our ultimate goal, reason for being saved, is to bring God glory. Amen? And bring sinners to Jesus Christ. Now we see about the writer, he declares his apostleship, but he also, he declares his authority. And notice what he says. He says, by the commandment of God, our Savior and Jesus. By the commandment. You know, I realized this years ago, that that word command means charge. God has put a charge on me. He has commanded me. Matter of fact, all of us, God has charged us or commissioned us to go in all the world and preach the gospel. And we think that's just witnessing, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, but that's the entire life. My life is not mine own anymore. I belong to God. He's purchased me with his precious blood. And so, boy, I'll tell you what, there's so many Christians that are saved. They're, they're glad they're going to heaven and they're not going to hell. But listen, take it a little bit further. That's the intent of God, for you to be a servant of Jesus Christ. For you to be totally committed to him. And that's what happened to Paul. And this commission, this calling, this authority, this charge, it, it, it came by the Lord himself. And Paul knew he was chosen for divine purposes. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17, Paul says, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfilled. Of course, he's, he's speaking to his young protege, his young son in the faith, Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, you make sure that you fulfill what God has done in your heart and life, given you to do. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. I want you to know something about this preacher. I didn't call myself. I didn't want the job. God put me in the ministry. I had a desire, and I knew God was working in my life, but I was afraid, and I was kind of running away from it. I had to come to the place where I said, I surrendered. I said, Lord, it's what you want, not what I want. I never dreamed that I would ever be a preacher, much less a pastor. And listen, I don't know where you're at with the Lord, but if you would just yield to him, you'll never, you'll never believe what God can do with your life. The people that he can cause to cross your path. Nobody, not everybody can be a preacher or a pastor, obviously. Not everybody's going to be a missionary or an evangelist, although we're all evangelists of the gospel if you're saved. But God will take you to places and use you in ways that you never dreamed possible if you'll yield to him. Amen. He put me in the ministry. So Paul declares his victory also. He states that all of this was because of Christ. And notice the words, our hope. Now, the word hope in your Bible is not the word that we understand as hope in the Webster's Dictionary today. The word hope means if you're lucky and if it, things work out, they all fall in line, the stars all get in line, the planets all... No, no. The word hope in your Bible means confident expectation. It's just a matter of time. We have confident, we have hope, confident expectation of what God is doing and going to do. Hey, I'm going to heaven one day. Are you? 
Now, see, I have a confident hope, not that if I'm lucky, I'm going to get there. No, I know I'm going to get there because I'm in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.12, Paul writes, And at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. That's what I was, and that's what you were before you were saved. But now we have hope in Christ. He has conquered sin, death, and hell, and now I have soul safety. I have a hope an expectation of heaven, steadfast and sure. Amen. God has placed within me a confidence that where I'm going one of these days. So we see the writer of the letter, the aged Paul, the apostle, the younger preacher, Timothy. And then, obviously, we got to break this down. In verse 2, it says the recipient of the letter, we know it to be Timothy. He said, unto Timothy, no doubt about it. Now, the word Timothy is interesting. It means honoring God. And I was thinking about fathers and mothers here today, of course, of parents, and how when you have that little baby, maybe prior, maybe not until actually the birth of that child, you give them a name that God puts on your heart. Now, here is a set of parents, Timothy's parents. Again, we don't know much about his father, but we know about his mother and his grandmother. And they gave him this name, Honoring God. Because I think that was their hope in their son. Don't we all as parents want our children to honor God? We want our children to know God. We want our children to honor God. We want our children to serve God. Amen? That, that's what we have in our desire. Amen? For the Lord. Obviously. And I know you do too. Sure you do. You want that. Well, Timothy, honoring God. Through Christ, Timothy became one of Paul's great friends and confidants. Here's an older man. Here's a younger man. And God knit their hearts together. The aged apostle declares his love and his appreciation, his affection toward his younger brother and co-labor in Christ. Here's what Paul said about Timothy in Philippians chapter 2, 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Wow. Think about this. What if the apostle Paul said that about you? Amen. I have no man like-minded who would naturally care for your state. I understand this, this affection that can be between a preacher and another man of God. My pastor used to call me, again, his son in the faith. And believe me, there were times I doubted that, but, but uh, we had an interesting relationship. But I knew he loved me, and he poured a lot in me. And I, I think about Jeremiah here. He's been a great blessing in my life. A trusted confidant, a co-laborer. Amen. I'm blessed to have him in my life. Hey, church, we're blessed to have Jeremiah and Sherry and their family in this church. We have a great confidence in him. That it builds over time. Amen. And that's what Paul had with Timothy. They had a close relationship. And he uses that phrase, my own son in the faith. Go to, go to uh, uh, Acts real quick with me. Acts chapter 16. We'll, we'll look at this. Acts chapter 16, and, and Paul pens it this way. Verse 1, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium, 
Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarter, for they knew all this, that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained to the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. Paul had a job to do. He was meeting with the early church leaders. He was meeting with the early church, and he had this young sidekick. He had this young man travel with him. Now, I submit to you, Paul wouldn't just let anybody go with him. There was another young man one day. His name was Demas. What a blessing Demas was to Paul. There was another young man named John Mark, and he was a great blessing, a servant to Paul and those that traveled with Paul. But one day, Mark quit on the job. Boy, that, that put a monkey wrench in the work of God. And Demas, the Bible says, Demas hath forsaken us, having loved this present world. Demas got to be looking at all the world had to offer, and rather than follow Christ and Paul and the gospel, he went another route. It's like that way in ministry. You'll, you'll watch people that will come to know the Lord. They get in fellowship with you. They even become co-laborers. How sad it is sometimes to see so many fall by the wayside. But Timothy was steadfast. And it was a great blessing to the Apostle Paul. And Paul writes these personal letters. And God the Holy Spirit took them and made them scripture. For our benefit. For our account. Hey, pray for the preachers that are called of God because we have an enemy that wants to sidetrack them. We have an enemy that wants to get them out of their place. You know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And even though a preacher may not be in his pulpit anymore, he might be disqualified. Doesn't take away that call that God gave them. And that's why so many men of God have been, they're miserable because they've messed up and they're not where God wants them to be. How many deacons, how many church leaders have fallen by the wayside when they could have been used greatly for the Lord? Hey, pray for those that are called of God. Pray for those that are chosen of God. Pray for the dear missionary men and women. Pray for those that are trying to seek the Lord. Paul here was a father figure to young Timothy. You know, I want you to be thankful for your father. Some maybe be here today and say, well, I'm not thankful for my, my father was a hard man. My father was an austere man. Some might have bad memories, and I, I can understand that. But listen, ask God to give you grace and forgiveness in your heart. If they're past, they're past. Sometimes, you know, people have issues with people in their life, and then they can't let it go. And you know, I was thinking the other day, my dad's already been gone 18 years. I went by to his... his uh, his grave not very long, a couple weeks ago, and cleaned it up, and I, I put a flag there, you know, for dad, mom. And I looked down and said, 18 years, how could that be? You know, I say, maybe your dad's been gone 10 years, or 5 years, or 20 years, or 50 years, and maybe there's something that's still there that's not quite right. Let it go. Let it go. Amen. On Father's Day, think of the good things, the good memories. Be thankful for the provision. Be thankful for the protection. Yeah, maybe there's issues. Hey, hey, but you're in Christ. Have some grace. Have some forgiveness. Have some mercy. You want it from God. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. I know it is. Be thankful for fathers. But I want to say this. Be thankful for father figures in your life. God has put some people... Perhaps in your path that have been a blessing. 
They've been a help and a mentor, and they've added, amen. And you needed them. Thank God for them. They may not be your physical father. I get that. It might just be a good Christian man or a good Christian lady at Mother's Day, at Father's Day. Send them a card. Make, give them a call. Give them a hug, man. Amen. Give them a kiss on the cheek. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Because at a perfect time, God put them in your life. As Paul was given Timothy and Timothy was given Paul. This letter's to us, folks. But if either one of those men would have messed up, we wouldn't have the letter today. So they had each other. Express your appreciation to those that have been this. Thirdly, the affectionate greeting given in the letter. I like this part. Look at it with me, verse 2. We're moving along. We're going to be done. Many of you got Father's Day lunch on your mind. I got it. I get you. Verse 2. Unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith. Notice the words, grace, mercy, and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are great words. Great mercy and peace. Here Paul loves Timothy, desires his son in the faith to enjoy three things about his Christian life. First one is the blessing of grace. Thank God for grace. Grace is that undeserved, unmerited favor of God upon us as guilty sinners. We know that. But grace removes all guilt, did you know that? Of past sin. Grace relieves all sinners of their deserving punishment and judgment of God. Paul wrote this way in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. I'm glad I live in Christ Jesus today. I was thinking of Father's Day this morning. I had a few of my kids text me already. Happy Father's Day, Papa. Happy Father's Day. Trisha calls me Daddy-O. Happy Father's Daddy-O. That's just Trisha. She's crazy. That girl is absolutely crazy. I, I don't know where she gets it, but she is absolutely crazy. But you know, if you're a parent, how privileged you are. And along the road of life, sometimes things happen. Things are said. Things are, should have been said. Things are done. Things shouldn't have been done. Man, have some grace. We all need grace. We all are undeserving. We all needed God's forgiveness. Amen? And so Paul's talking to Timothy. His father in uh, Tim, uh, Timothy is the father of Timothy in the faith. And, and Paul desires for Timothy all grace and mercy and blessing. Hey, isn't that what all parents want for their children? But maybe you've led some people to Christ and they're your children in the faith. Have grace with them today. Have mercy. Have peace with them. Be thankful for them. Let them know that. And then try to be that kind of person. There are kids in this church that need father figures. Amen. There are kids in this church that need to look up to somebody. Now, maybe they got good fathers and their fathers love them, but you know, we always have needs sometimes of the people that come in our life, and there's a reason and a purpose for that. And my dad was a great dad, and I could go on and on about it, but God put people in my life that added to my life and helped me in different ways that dad couldn't or, or didn't. And I'm thankful for it. Again, I had a pastor. He was a real pastor to me. And I thank God for him. I've had a few other men of the faith, pastors and leaders that have been great blessing me. 
I get a call every once in a while from Garvin Walls, and he just lets me know, hey, Steve, I was praying for you. Your dad in the faith is praying for you. And I appreciate that. Thank God for those people. But be gracious. God has given us favor and mercy and forgiveness and acceptance. Amen. Soul salvation, abundant blessings. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, abound to every good work. So grace brings more work. It means more fruit. It means more success, spiritually speaking. So not only be faithful, thankful for your father, but be thankful for father figures that have been placed in your life. Then he says mercy. Mercy is the spontaneous compassion of God to guilty, miserable, condemned sinners such as I. <laughs> Amen. I like that definition. Spontaneous compassion. Prior to salvation as a sinner, I was unworthy, unholy, unwanted, ungodly. But now I have hope in Jesus Christ. Maybe there's a father sitting here today. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Are you sure about it? Has there been a time and a place where you called out to God in humility and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Save me, Jesus. Say it the way you want to, but mean it in your heart. And he'll save your soul. I imagine every Father's Day that I've preached all these years, there's been one or two lost fathers present. That's you today. Come to Jesus Christ. Today's Father's Day. Maybe there's a dad that was once walking with the Lord, and maybe you're here today visiting, whatever, and you're not walking with the Lord. Come on, come on, come back. Come back to the Lord. Come home to, to the Lord. You know the story in the Bible of a great father is the prodigal son, and you know what that dad did? He waited for the son to come home faithfully. Prayed, watched, provided, planned for a party, Amen. Had the ring ready and the robe and the, and the shoes. And you read the story in the Bible. Amen. That's a picture of our Heavenly Father for us. Maybe you're a, a wandering child today from the Lord. Come back. Come back. Serve the Lord. Amen. We certainly need mercy. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. You know, as a father, I think it's funny. There's a unique thing going on. And, and some of you parents that have raised families... You'll understand this. You, you know, you, you thought your kids were perfect, and, and you found out they weren't. Just a little bit after they were born, you found that out. But as life unfolded, you found out your kids weren't perfect and so forth. But then they get to be adults, and you think they're... Then what happens is through the course of life, they'll start talking, and they pull down the, the reservations. And they start talking about things they did with each other or with friends. You start realizing your kids weren't as good as you thought they were. They went to places you didn't know about. They got involved in things you didn't know about. And when they get older, they have this freedom about themselves saying, well, it doesn't matter anymore. Well, if I could just put the fear of God back in them at that time. But you begin to find out things about your kids. But here's the truth. My Heavenly Father's known all about me all my life. And I can look pretty good in church, and so can you, but my Father knows me. Amen. Amen. So be gracious to your kids. Be merciful. We're all guilty. Amen. 
Mercy is not getting what we deserve. I don't know why God had to put more knots on my head. I don't know why, because God's good. That's why. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, in Jesus Christ, that's what we are. There's a way of escape. Thank God that he's taken us from heading toward hell and now heading toward heaven. About we could have been shipwrecked, but for God's grace and mercy, he's got us through thus far. And then Paul said to Timothy, peace. I want you to have peace. Peace is the state of salvation. It is a result of God-given mercy and grace bestowed upon the repentant and believing sinner. And I say again, if you're here today as a child or an adult and you've not yet been born again, you've not yet but say, please receive the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. You'll never be sorry. Today, this day could be the day of your salvation. If you just humble yourself, if you just come to God in faith believing, he'll save your soul and you'll be safe for all eternity. This is what Paul wanted Timothy to experience. This is what he wanted him to know. Then lastly, the intent and purpose of this letter. Go with me back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 3. We're going to look at the, the intent and purpose of the letter and we'll be done. He says, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went unto Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that teach no other doctrine. Watch it. Verse 4, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister, uh, minister questions rather than godly edification, which is faith. So do ye. Now watch the next one. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. There's a number of things in there that tell us the intent and the purpose of this letter Paul wrote to Timothy. One of the purposes is for us to read it later. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for the the, the, the inspired word of God and preserved all down these generations for us, just like God promised. But some of the special bestowments that Paul desired for Timothy was to abide, to be at home in good doctrine. Right here in the early church, there was bad doctrine starting to filter in. Any good thing is going to have its enemy. And Paul's writing to Timothy, abide. The word abide means stay at home. Stay at home in good doctrine, church. You don't have to search all these other things out. You already got what you need. The word of God and proper, pure doctrine. That's what Paul wanted. And doctrine means teaching. Paul said to Timothy, you know what you've been taught by your mother and your grandmother and by me. Stay there. Don't, don't, don't vacillate. Don't get away from this. This is important. Why? Because so many do. And then edification. The word edification in your Bible means to build up edifice like a like a building the bible says we you and i are to edify one another you and i have been given gifts from god what are those gifts for to build up one another in the body of christ and so paul wishes for timothy his son in the faith to be at home in doctrine and to be edified built up in his faith to be sure and strong and steadfast in the faith and then he said faith unfeigned the word feigned means to be fake counterfeit, substandard. Paul wanted Timothy to be strong. He wanted him to be the real deal. Every once in a while, I'll come across a Christian that I, that's not in, the, I know a lot of good Christians in this church, but I'll go somewhere else and meet somebody, and I'll find that person, and like immediately we have affinity, we have 
uh, we have a brotherliness or a sister in Christ relationship, and you know immediately that they know the same Lord you know. How can that happen? Word of God, doctrine, Holy Spirit, sure salvation. Amen. And listen, I'm a Baptist, but not every Christian's a Baptist. Get over it. We're not saved by our denominational tag. We're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor, what would you be if you weren't a Baptist? I'd be embarrassed, but... No, I'm just kidding. You know I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. But listen, I've met some precious, precious saints of God that are Methodists and Lutheran and... Amen. Bible church people. Uh, you know, the thing of this, this thing is we're a family of God. How can two walk together except they be agreed? There's some I can't walk with anymore because they've gotten out, of, gotten out of the way with doctrine, with the word of God. And I say, come on back. Many of them were right in those relationships. You know, I want to be steadfast. That's what tent Paul wanted for Timothy. Be steadfast in your doctrine. Be steadfast. Be edifying other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. He wanted him to be firm. Not against people, but strong in the things of God. And again, as a parent, as a father, that's what I want for my children. To be settled in their faith. There's so much in this world that wants to take away our kids. Our converts. And oh, we need to pray for them that God will keep them firm and steadfast. Amen? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of traps and tricks thrown down the way by our enemy. There's a lot of snares. We need to know that there's a lot of wrong and wicked teaching and things going on in this present world. Our, our enemy and his devils and his cohorts, they want to seduce and steer away our children and our converts to false and damnable heresies and doctrines. Amen. So Paul said, Timothy, I want you to be firm, strong. That's what he wanted for his son in the faith. He wanted him to speak up. He says in verse 3, I charge. That's a command. And he says, some not to teach certain doctrine. So is that doctrine is so boring? Doctrine is so boring. No, it's important. It doesn't have to be boring. I mean, get your heart right. Get in good doctrine. Know what you believe. Embrace the word of God and be thankful for it. Be victorious. We live in a world today that can't stand tolerance. They can't stand someone that has a difference of opinion. They look at us and they'll say, oh, you fundamentalists, you Baptists, you Christians, and they want to just blast. They have a difference of opinion. Now, they want you to accept their difference of opinion, but you can't have one. They want you to be tolerant and kind and open-minded. And they, want, they, they want you to be able, they want to be able to express their ideas. And here's a big one today, their right of freedom of speech. Amen. <laughs> it goes both ways. As a Christian, when I have a different belief or opinion than this lost world, they want to disagree. They call me a troublemaker. Imagine that. My mind goes back to 1 Kings chapter 18. Remember Ahab and Jezebel? Weren't they a wonderful couple? And God had brought famine into the land through the prophet Elijah. Things got pretty dry and animals are dying, people are dying. Things are pretty bad. It's desperate. 
And here comes Elijah, and he says, Hello, Ahab, how you doing today? And Ahab pretty much said this way, Oh, you're the one. It's all because of you. You're the one who troubles Israel. And the old man of God says, It's not me, bud. It's you. It's you and your wife. Boy, they, he didn't like that. But isn't that the way the world is today? Before this thing's all over with, Christians, I don't care what denominational tag, Christians are going to be blamed for everything. Count on it. Understand it. It's the world we're heading toward. It's already happening. But I find it interesting how many people want tolerance until you need it. Amen. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Boy, that is today. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This whole world is turned upside down. It's not anywhere near. Even a generation ago. Amen. But Jude says this, verse 3, Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it is needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly, watch it, contend for the faith that was once delivered on the same. You know that word contend means? It means a, a boxing match. He used to introduce boxers as contenders. It means to fight. It means to stand up. It means to wage battle. It means to stand opposed or stand against. So Christian, I want to say today, be gracious, be merciful, be long-suffering. But it's okay to stand up for what you believe in. And Paul was saying to Timothy, Timothy, stand up. Be firm. Count for God, son. Don't let people walk over you in your doctrine, in your faith, in the things of God. Point them out. I know people don't like this. Expose them for what they are. He said, Preacher, I don't know if that's very Christian. Well, that's what Paul did in 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 20. He called out names. 3 John chapter 19, chapter, uh, verse 9 through 11, he talked about that Diotrephes. He talked about Harmenes and Alexander, that coppersmith. He said, well, that's not Christian. Oh, yeah, it was. Listen, we need to tell our children... There's things that are wonderful and good, but we need to warn them about things that are not. And warn them about people who are not. Because if we don't, they could be giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I'm going to wrap it up here. He says, take care and be warned. Don't be sidetracked. Don't be sold a bill of goods. He says in verse 4, I besought thee to abide still. And he said, he says, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies rather than godly edification, which is in faith, so do. So today, on Father's Day 2018, be thankful for fathers. Be thankful for the teaching, the provision, the protection. Be thankful for your, your father. Maybe you had a great Christian father. Be so thankful. Bless his name. Maybe he's already gone to heaven. Maybe he's not. If you still got dad, love on him. Cherish him. Amen. Be, be, be loving and kind to him. Amen. Make sure my kids get this sermon, would you please? <laughs> Joe, you listening? Okay. Be thankful for the father figures in your life. Mentors, Sunday school teachers, leaders, pastors, spiritual uncles in the faith, grandfathers, guides. We got a text from Dina yesterday. 
there in Germany ministering, and Brother, um, Brother Van Dusen stopped in to see him yesterday. And he drove four and a half hours with a co-worker to visit with them. They couldn't stay for Sunday services, went to see him, had dinner with him, so forth, drove back four and a half. So that's like nine, ten hours of investment. She was sharing how much it meant. Barb chimes in. She said, I remember when, where were they at, babe? They were in Boston when Steve was in the, the military there on a the base. And she said, the Van Dusens came to see us too. And boy, what a change. What a difference it made in our life that day. You know, there are people like that in the local church. When Brother Chuck and Sister Linda went to Germany, when the Beemans went with us to Germany, when Lewis went with us, you know, it made such a difference and an impact in their life. When Brother Bob and Robin went over there to see what God was doing, it just meant so much. And we know them because they're of us, but add all these missionaries on the foreign field, their local churches, their pastors, their people, when there's an interest shown and when there's love shown, it matters. I want to be that kind of person for somebody else. Be a mentor in Christ. Love on people. Encourage them. Be an instructor. You know the Holy Spirit, one of the titles is a comforter, and that word means one who stands along. One who puts their arm around. That's what we all need as children growing up in this world. People still need it today. Some of the kids that come in our church through bus ministry, some that come in through the youth department, they need to be loved on and encouraged. So my conclusion this morning, thank God for the Holy Scriptures, for this personal letter of Paul written to Tim Timothy. And I want to say in closing, you know what God wants all of us to do? He wants us to be people that inspire. That's one of the primary definitions of a good father. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. We'll read and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 12 and 13, and we're done today. Hey, if you're a dad here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never been born again, come today and, and receive Jesus in your heart by faith. If you're, a, if you're just a, a, a man, if you're a woman, if you're a child, not just Father's Day, not focus on... If you're a person here today and you know, know Christ as your Savior... Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He rose again for you. He wants to be your personal Savior. And if you're not allowed that to happen yet, today could be the day. God will give you grace, mercy, and peace. Paul writes 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, 13, these words and we're done. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. And what does he say? There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear. You're going through a rough time, child of God. God is saying to you through his word today, you can stand. You can be faithful. You'll make it. You got a heavenly father that loves you. You got a Savior that sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession. You got a Holy Spirit that's in you, and He's your partner and companion and teacher and comforter. You got a local church 
with good people in it that want to that want to be kind and gracious and helpful if you'll let them. Let's be thankful for our fathers. Let's be thankful for father figures today. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bow. We're going to have a short invitation. Please, if you know not the Lord is Savior, come today. Let us help you. Right out of the Bible, we'll help you pray and trust the Lord.